Hello and welcome to the Tefauti podcast series. So I am joined for the next Tefauti podcast series by Ian LeMayan, who's a great friend of mine, a fellow pilot, and more importantly, an inspirational conservationist. Ian's career started out as a volunteer research assistant for the KWS and progressed him to join the Rhino Research and Monitoring team based at Lewa Conservancy. Ian quickly became known as the Rhino Man. His passion is infectious, which I'm sure he will enlighten us all with in this episode. Welcome, Ian, and great to have you join us on the Tefauti podcast. Thank you, Krista. It's a pleasure to uh, be featured and also to um, tell people about rhinos and tell people about uh, these amazing animals. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's get stuck into it, Ian. You know, um, it hasn't been that long since you were part of the NRT, so the Northern Rangelands Trust, and we've spoken to Ian Craig uh, about how that sort of came about who's one of our big uh, Tefauti partners, of course. Um, but you started out in that sort of re- rhino research and monitoring team. Sort of tell us about how your passion grew uh, in that kind of arena. Yeah, so um, in terms of uh, wildlife conservation, uh, my mum really loved to take us to uh, the animal orphanage when we were young. And uh, the biggest thing that we got from there was how much she would take her time and take us through there. And then that grew with me as time went on. And um, after that, I went and did a, a course in wildlife management. And then after that, I got to volunteer with the Kenya Wildlife Service uh, in looking after animals in the orphanage, taking care of um, young animals. And the bond and the connection with, uh, with rhinos actually came from there. Because uh, once we started seeing um, how much uh, rhinos are being poached in the country, then my question to me was, what can I do? What can I be part of that change that's going to stop this? Mm-hmm. And so I, I continued to volunteer with Kenya Wildlife Service for some time. And right. I got an opportunity with um, Lewa Conservancy, mm-hmm. where I got in as a rhino scientist. And when I got in there as a rhino scientist, um, I think that was one of the most amazing periods um, that I had because it was a one-on-one contact with rhinos every day, amazing. knowing their personalities, knowing who they are, and uh, basically putting a bigger family now because um, I was born alone, but then like with the rhinos in Lewa, in Sarah, in one of the energy community conservancies, they became like part of my family. And they became like from one person to now like um, 160 people who I personally know and work with. Yeah. So the rhinos there became quite um, in, in, intensively um exciting for me because um, I would go out on a motorbike, uh, be able to take the notchings, the coordinates of where they are and look at their health, look at their welfare and also advise the security teams on where they could be able to put more effort in terms of like protecting us from poaching. And we never had any poaching incidents from the time I joined Lawa in 2014 all the way down to 2019 when I left. So it was a good five years, five and a half years of um, rigorous work, um, intelligence-based work, and also um, passionate work because we did, or I did what I did there because I had totally and completely fallen in love with finals, and I still am. Yeah. So. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, um, and then heading on to work to, for the North Adventures Trust, um, it was a great opportunity. It was a great learning curve. And um, 
from uh, working with rhinos in such a small place, because uh, Lewa is only 62,000 acres, um, and expanding now my horizon to looking at 44,000 kilometers square community land and conservancies and a rhino conservation area that is the first in East Africa to be owned by a community in Kenya and even East Africa. So it's, um, it was a big thing for me. It was a big uh, opportunity that I thought, I think this is going to get out of hand pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite a big area. Yeah. But, um, the fortunate bit of that was um, I learned how to fly uh, when I was working for Lower Conservancy and um, I flew the Super Cub for quite a lot. And when I got into NRT as a, a re, um, assistant security administrator and their pilot, yeah. um, I would also now work on the rhinos in Sarah and also be able to give logistical support still to the team in, in Lower Conservancy. So the 44,000 uh, kilometer square of land became like a small piece of uh, land because of the availability or access to an aircraft. So Absolutely. we could be able to patrol these areas, find uh, young little elephants maybe who've been abandoned, who've been stuck in wells, we help them out, try and rebuild them with, the, with their own herds or get them help to take them to the Teti Elephant Orphanage where mm -hmm. it's also the first community um, uh, elephant orphanage in the country, community owned everything. So it's uh, for me it was I felt like I was a big part of something huge. Yeah. And it, even today, I, I still say, like, uh, I, I think between 2014 to 2020, that, that was a big steep growth and a big learning curve that um, uh, it gave me the passion and gave me the resilience to actually work where I am now and what I'm doing here now. Absolutely. But, uh, um, so, Ian, you sort of you you talked about really briefly around sort of the the, the rhino connectivity that you had, and you mentioned um, sort of notching as an identification methodology that you used whilst out in the field. And um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be really interested, obviously, having built these relationships with these animals to make sure we could find them firstly, and of course identify them. Can you just can you just tell us how that process worked um, so that so that people can understand the intensity of, of, of sort of rhino protection? Yeah, rhino protection is, uh, it comes all the way down to identifying the animals positively and also knowing the animal 100% and having that 100% accuracy. And that 100% accuracy is what uh, makes you know that you actually have that animal or don't have uh, that animal. So some places they have probables, they have guess estimates. And so for places like Lewa and NRT and Sarah Conservancy, uh, we don't have those because uh, all the rangers know their animals. How do we identify them so that we know, like we've not seen one rhino here and another person reports the same rhino on another block. Mm -hmm. That makes, you know, like it's one rhino has been spotted twice, but then it's recorded as two rhinos. Yeah. So how do we make sure that we don't have that double counting and also we we do not have, um, you know, wrong figures, is uh, notching the ears, which uh, making marks on the ears, it's very systematic. For the right side, there's three cuts, uh, gentle cuts. We make sure that you're just cutting the tissue out um, mm -hmm. and you apply some uh, alamycin cream. It's an antibiotic so that um, the animals don't feel a lot of pain and also you put a painkiller. Okay. So it's, uh, that is to help them. Um, and also to help us be able to protect them better. Yes. So sometimes um, 
we only notch, not sometimes, but all the time, we notch the animals that are uh, not easily identifiable by the observers. For example, people like the rangers, myself, um, those are the only ones that we notch. Because we do have some very interesting uh, animals that you can be able to know distinctively uh, that this is Imado, this is so-and-so, this is Krista. Um, for example, like Imado has a floppy ear, a left floppy ear. Uh-huh. And uh, for that, even the guides or the tourists sometimes will call him uh, fat floppy, you because know, uh, he's big and he's... Yeah. I won't ask you what Crystal will be called. Let's leave it at that, Ian. <laughs> yeah, but it, identifying is such a big part of it, isn't it? Because as you say, you've got to count the animals, you've got to make sure we're identifying them correctly, no matter which scout yeah. out in the field is spotting them. Uh, there needs to be that connectivity back to the security hub um, that, that you guys have, which of course is, is the jock at, uh, at Lewa. But just to sort of move us on, I guess, from the rhinos, and I know you're so passionate about them, so we can definitely sort of cover them a little bit more. But um, yeah. you, you, you alluded to the fact you've taken to the skies um, as a pilot. That started uh, at NRT. And now almost your career, which I you know, deeply admire and, and, and support wholeheartedly, has gone full circle back now to the Kenya Wildlife Service. Um, just kind of give us an, an idea about you know, how your role is and, and, and why you made that decision to go and join the government entity uh, again. Um, I think uh, for my idea um, in, in, in rhinos, I've gotten to a place where um, I was happy with the level of experience, I was happy with the level of uh, interest that the guys have left behind have. And the, the community members, uh, the scouts at Sarah also as well, had gotten into a place where like, um, they had fallen in love with this animal so much and I felt like my job is almost getting done. And, right. um, when the opportunity came to work for the Kenya Wildlife Service, I felt like I'm coming back home. Mm-hmm. Because I started out as a volunteer in Kenya Wildlife Service, um, taking care of orphaned animals in the orphanage and the safari walk. And when this opportunity came, I think for me, it opened up a whole aspect of, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, like I felt like, I'm coming back home to to fulfill something that is really lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, if you look at Kenya Wildlife Service, um, it's it's one of the biggest uh, tourism is one of the biggest uh, revenue earners for the for the country for Kenya. Yeah. But when you look at what we get back uh, to Kenya Wildlife Service through the government, um, it's really really little. And to be honest, I think most people have been moving out of Kenya Wildlife Service to go into private sectors to go into other places and they're taking out the you know the the all the knowledge they have to them it's good to spread the joy and spread the knowledge and mm. share resources um but also i felt like it's it was the time has come for me to also pay give give credit rights due to my country yes um because working for kenya wildlife service and trying to make a difference in the ecosystem or the conservation area that i've been put then I can be able to help out with the rhinos because when I came into Merupa, uh, the rhino database is good, but in terms of like uh, monitoring the rhinos and uh, identifying the rhinos, that was a big, big, big challenge, which I'm still working on now mm-hmm. with the rangers. And um, also covering of the area with an aircraft. Um, I'm very, very passionate about flying. Um, and uh, this has been a long life dream. So also getting to fly across 
the Tana River going all the way across to Mwingi, going all the way across to the Waso, and coming back to my home place, Samburu, and uh, and Lewa and Laikipia. It, it, that's all my area now. So mm. it feels like I went from 62,000 acres in Lewa, and then I went to 44,000 kilometers square in NRT, and now I almost have a million acres of land to look after where the elephants roam free in national parks in conservancies and also in community lands so uh, me coming back here was to maybe try and 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 come back and give back to where i started mm -hmm. and also see if we can make a difference to places such as these which have been long lost and forgotten um to, through the kenyan eye and also uh, to the international people yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the move to, to, to KWS opens opens so many uh, broader doors, should we say, sort of to, to not just landscape, but also uh, new connections, uh, you know, meeting lots of people in very rural communities. I'm not saying NRT is obviously huge in with 39 conservancies, but it, I guess taking to the skies the opportunities it's given you, Ian, to, to, to sort of connect on, on different levels, have different experiences with different aircraft, yeah. uh, you know, and now develop this passion in, in, in aircraft comparatively to, to your rhino passion and, and, and be able to do the two together, which is pretty epic. Together, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is super cool. I was very scared at first when, uh, when I joined because I was thinking like I hope they really take me to a place with rhinos because <laughs> I still want to be part of that team to look at how they're doing it and also to assist them uh, produce better reports produce better um, uh, what do you call it like statistics yeah. and also be able to forecast better on what we are going through and uh, for things like the ecological carrying capacities and and um, uh, looking at also uh, the breeding performances of some of these animals. All these things you cannot know if you do not know the animals that you have, the number of animals that you have. Absolutely. If you have the guest probables, the guest estimates, all those uh, create an error margin. So trying to make this place a much better place is, it, I think in two years, hopefully, will be somewhere where like Lewa or Sarah is. <laughs> You've got your work cut out for you, absolutely. But, you know, Meru Park, obviously that's where you're now stationed uh, with, with KWS. Um, yes. it's not one on the on the beaten track should I say you know that we, we you've you've mentioned that tourism is such a high percentage of our GDP here in in, in Kenya and in Africa actually um, how do we get Meru Park uh, to be better known Ian so that we can drive some tourism in in, in that direction as well um, I think it's uh First of all, to visit the park, um, be able to bring people out here into the park, be able to produce much better material from the park, and also to um, do the patrols that we've been doing to ensure that there's safety, improving the infrastructure here, and also improving the infrastructure in terms of places to stay, for people to stay, mm -hmm. and also improving the areas, the campsites, uh, the rivers, and also so uh, telling people that also showing them, not just telling them, but also showing them how much wildlife we have. Because um, uh, Meru Park, people think you come and you don't see lots of game. It won't be as much game as the Mara, but like it will be some of the most iconic elephants you see. Some of the big tuskers are here as well. Some of the largest herds of elephants coming all the way from Savo, coming all the way from Samburu are here. Like today when I was flying over Meru Park, I was able to count over 260 elephants wow. in the morning with one, one hour of patrol. And so that made 
like uh, me think like oh my goodness what if we had aerial um game uh patrols with guests what if we had like uh, new things that we could be able to show guests that we have mm-hmm. and also we we treated the lion today in the morning as well mm-hmm. uh which had a small cut on on the hind leg so we also do have a lot of cats uh we we have a lot of um activities going on it's a fun place uh we we have a park that has the most number of rivers 15 rivers cutting across this park wow. and of course the mother of them all being the Tana river where you can pump next to it uh, listen to hippos at night and see the, the sky as open as it is and and unpolluted yeah. and it's one of the most magical parks um, I've been able to visit I think in my lifetime so I'm hoping to travel a lot and uh, as I'm traveling a lot I'm also telling people to come and see our park yeah absolutely I I'm I'm jealous of your job I mean amazing to sort of see that number of of charismatic species and and help obviously those that 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 might get injured uh, along the journey. Um Ian I can't help but be inspired by your journey. You know, started off as a volunteer um just giving something a go that you knew uh that you were passionate about and being, you know, a Kenyan um and giving your life in some ways and commitment to starting to save and help uh in these conservation efforts whether it's rhino, elephant, whatever it may be. I mean I I know how passionate you are. Um what would be your advice uh you know there's there's a big listenership hopefully for 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 this and having been somebody that's trodden that path that took the gamble you know as a volunteer and then and then it's worked out um you know you've got you as you say your dream job taking to the skies and and helping and helping in the way that I know you do um what would be your advice to other people to sort of try and get involved in conservation or or um you know other Kenyans as well you know who might who might you know be passionate about about the outdoors and and wildlife species yeah i think um my my words them would be um we have one planet and uh we only have also very few places that uh have remained uh a tier for wildlife we have also very few spaces that have remained very natural and um we need those spaces to be the way they are and if we can be able to like um have people who will come out get inspired fall in love with conservation fall in love with the rhinos fall in love with the elephants fall in love with the nature landscapes um we can be able to do so much more for mother nature and for planet earth we can be able to give back to her because we're all living because of how everything that is produced from here comes from the earth and we can be able to do so much the other thing is uh, not to give up on on yourself on your dreams or anything because um when i was volunteering i never thought to add one day flight for Kenya wildlife service i always thought like the internship or the volunteering because i volunteered for them for almost 14 months that's one year and a couple of two months so before i got the job at leo so it really took a long time but um and that's a short time compared to many people mm-hmm. and even if you do more than 5 3 years of doing something and it's not working um there's always going to be that breakthrough that's going to help you out so don't give up uh, be persistent in what you need what you what you really think that you need and want and it's going to come and um even with that it might come in many ways like for example it came to me as 
um, a helping hand from people I know. I never thought they would help me do my commercial license, for my flying license, my PPL as well. So it's being thankful and grateful for the things you have and also really asking and working hard towards the things that you really want as well. So let's conserve these animals together and get, get your dreams, go get it. Amazing. Absolutely, Ian. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I know people listening will, will be motivated massively by that, those kind of words of somebody who, who came from a volunteering position and has risen, risen the ranks to, to where you've done. And it's a, it's a testimony to you, Ian. And we wish you uh, the very best of luck with, uh, with your other endeavour now, sort of taking over these vast lands and, uh, and doing what I know you do best. So, Ian, thank you so much on behalf of Tafauti for joining us uh, on our podcast series. And I, I I, for one, very much will be watching your, your career as, as you grow from here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure and it's been great. And we're hoping to get even people from Tafau to come here and see what we're doing and be part of this, be part of uh, Meru Park or be part of the Eastern Ecosystem Conservation Area. And uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm Krista Cullen. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to know more about Tafauti and our projects, please do visit us on tafauti.org. T-O-F-A-U-T-I. T-O-F-A-U-T-I.